0: listening to the future of automotive. In this podcast series I've been on a journey through the automotive landscape. This is the final episode and we'll talk about the electrification of the automotive industry. How does this trend change the way consumers feel about car ownership for example? Now most experts don't dare to look beyond 2030. With my guests today we will look further ahead. My name is Maria Punch, and joining me are Tex Gunning, CEO of LeasePlan, and Arjo van der Ham, Chief Technology Officer at Solar Electric Car Manufacturer Lightyear. Welcome, Tex and Arjo.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: Now, some people just love to drive. Other people we've talked to say, "Well, I'm actually looking forward to perhaps driving autonomous. I'm going to win time." Tex, are you somebody who loves to drive?
1: No, I personally don't love to drive. My wife loves to drive, so that's uh, very handy for me. We do believe that cars play a very important role uh, in the lives of people. Uh, Somewhere, somehow, we can't articulate what it really is, uh, but there's an issue of freedom, there's an issue of of, uh, being controlled, there's an issue of privacy, having your own car. So we always say cars are here to stay.
0: Okay, we'll talk about that further. Arya, what about you? Do you own a car, for example?
2: I don't own a car at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> the, what I do think is that, uh, yes, people love to drive. A lot of people love to drive. A lot of people love to ride horses as well. So I think uh, that's where we'll see the change. So in your day-to-day commute where you want to work, um, yeah, you'll probably be using an autonomous vehicle uh, because it's cheaper, because you can do other stuff. Uh, yeah. And, and use your time more efficiently. And then in the weekends, you take your convertible or other cool car. So I think the cool cars are here to stay. And uh, less interesting day-to-day Volkswagen Golfs, they, they'll probably disappear for more efficient It's all about the cool uh, cars. cars.
0: Yeah. Okay, the cool car is here to stay. Now, one of our previous guests, that was uh, Willem Strijbos from TomTom, Tom, he said something uh, really interesting.
1: But I could imagine... That at some stage, I'm not going to put a year on it, but that it will be forbidden for people to drive cars. That, w- that people will not be allowed to drive cars because they're so, more, so much more unsafe than, than the algorithms, than the software, that will just simply not be allowed.
0: Tex, what do you think? Is he right?
1: Uh, he could be well right. Ultimately, when you start going into autonomous cars, the the mix of autonomous cars with non-autonomous cars is going to be a real challenge. And at a, there must be coming a tipping point indeed, where every car will be autonomous. Now, then, still you have the the, the hobby cars. So, how are we going to deal with that? I don't know.
2: Um, I think it's just going to be it's going to be highways where you exclude them where you uh, ride few hundred kilometers an hour uh, autonomously very close together and the same way as that bicycles and horses are still allowed on the small roads i think you'll allow the other vehicles
1: yeah so I, i think what we're both saying is autonomous is here to come and is here to stay
0: now, before we move on, I would like to pay attention to our sponsor, LeasePlan. With over 50 years of experience, LeasePlan's mission is to provide what is next in mobility via any car, anytime, anywhere service. So their customers can focus on what is next for them. Now, Arjo, in June, your company has unveiled the first prototype of the Lightyear one. Uh, very exciting, much anticipated. Um, batteries are charged through solar and plug-in chargers, if I'm uh, correct. And delivery to the first consumers is expected 2020, 2021. Could you clear that up? When are the first consumers going to actually drive in your car?
2: The handover of the keys to the first Mm -hmm. consumers, currently, uh, early 2021. The main planning tool, tool, what what we need to do now, is now we presented the first prototype. And uh, what we're doing now is really uh, testing all the aspects of the car, validating the performance, uh, doing winter testing, summer testing, and, and making sure that the car is completely safe and reliable before that happened so actually still a lot needs to happen from a prototype towards the delivery
0: right does that mean that manufacturing hasn't actually started yet
2: it means that right now uh, that there, right now there's one prototype so manufacturing is evolving from uh, hand building uh, single cars to uh, installing partly uh, part by part the line where you build uh, the entire cars I see
0: Back to the car itself. So according to your numbers, it has a 600 to 800 kilometers uh, range on charge. And if I understand correctly, 10% of that will be from solar
2: energy. Is that right? Actually, those numbers are, are just on the battery. So they're excluding uh, the solar power. Because it's really hard to also uh, really dependent on, on the area and uh, how fast you drive, etc. How much you get from, uh, uh, from solar. Um, we always try to put it in a way... Like how much do you get over a year on average? So mm-hmm. in, in the typical Dutch climate, you'll get up to 10,000 kilometers per year of solar energy. In the in the summer, that's quite a bit more than, uh, mm-hmm. than in the winter. And I think, and Tex probably knows these numbers better than I do, but I think the average uh, person in the Netherlands drives about 13,500 kilometers a year. Is that so, right,
1: so Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. So it's about two-thirds of what uh, what the average consumer uses you can get from the sun, and the rest you still have to charge.
1: I think when we look at his technology, we should see this as the start-up technology. Uh, ultimately, solar energy has to become a major source of energy for uh, for all cars. Uh, so it's again, it's fantastic what they're doing, I think, uh, but it's a start-up uh, in that sense, and mm-hmm. then you have to think five years out, ten years out, uh, and we should expect m- most cars cars to have solar uh, energy as well.
0: So, from for instance, from your factory in Helmond to our studio in Amsterdam, you wouldn't need to charge. But if you think of traveling a longer distance, can you use like the existing infrastructure for charging?
2: Yes. So, the, uh, actually, the, uh, the the main benefit of the of the lighter one is that it's a really efficient car. Only half of the trick is in the solar panel, and the other part is in the energy consumption of the car. So, it's a very aerodynamic car. It's a very light car, a very efficient powertrain, mm-hmm. and that makes that it just uses less energy per per driven. Which also means that if you use the existing uh, charging infrastructure, if you if you drive, uh, uh, for example, very long trips or on holidays. You actually charge faster in terms of the amount of kilometers that you can drive on one hour of charging. Okay. So for for the Lightyear 1, what would be a normal 22 kilowatt charger for uh, for, for current electric vehicles would actually behave like a fast charger for the Lightyear 1 in terms of how much kilometers you can drive after one hour of charging.
0: Okay. And how fast is fast? Are we talking minutes? Could you put a number uh, on that?
2: So it's not in terms of the time that you need to charge, but it's in terms of the amount of kilometers that you can drive. after after you've charged a certain amount of time. So with the Lightyear 1, you'll be able to charge about 400 kilometers overnight uh, using a normal uh, household power socket. Or you would be able at a DC fast charging station to charge at, and now I I need to have my numbers straight, (laughs) but you can look it up on the website to be exact, but I think it's about 530 kilometers an hour of range in one hour of charging. Right.
0: Now, Tex, uh, you're partnering with uh, with Lightyear, with Lease Plon. This is going to be a fairly expensive car, from what I understand, between 120,000, 150,000 euros. Just, again, some numbers. Do you expect this to become a popular car under your customers?
1: Well, not in 2022, obviously, no. but that's not the issue. The issue is that uh, I think these guys are doing a tremendous job and that they need support uh, from uh, businesses as ours. Um, you know that lease plan uh, is is absolutely a thought leader if it comes about climate change uh, related uh, issues transport uh, is a major contributor to uh, uh, to the climate change issue and therefore we sponsor companies like Liger. Uh, and i'm sure when the first car comes off that uh, we will buy one
0: Okay, good to know. You have that one in uh, in the pocket. Uh, are you on the website? People are able to reserve a Lightyear one. Is that right? How does that work? I understand that. How many people have done that so far?
2: Uh, so far, I think it's a little over one hundred reservations. Yeah. And basically, how it works is people can reserve a spot on the on the production line. And uh, depending on how soon uh, they want the car, so the, the, the spot on the production line, you pay a reservation fee. If you want one of the first cars, you pay the the entire amount of the car up front. If you want uh, a car a little further down the line uh, you can pay a little bit less, etc. And uh, so the reservation fees they vary to until uh, of the a reservation fee of €4,000. Uh, that's also uh, a great combination with, with leasing the car <laughs> to, to lease plan then again. The reason for that is to uh, really have committed customers. Everybody can get a lot of reservations for a car if you don't have to put Put something down. Sure.
0: Tex, you mentioned that um, now Lightyear is a startup, but of course there is the perspective of scale-up. And Arjo, could you... Elaborate a little bit on what the ambition is for the future, for let's say the next few years.
2: Um, yes, definitely. Uh, like you already mentioned, right, right now the car is uh, is relatively expensive. Um, we don't like that either. <laughs> and our mission is to provide clean mobility for everyone. That's why why we started this uh, this company, and we think that the solar car can actually. Uh, be a really big uh, contributor to, to that. I think the one of the big issues of scaling up electric mobility uh, currently is the, is the charging infrastructure, et cetera. So we try to develop the technology to make the car as independent as possible of all this charging infrastructure by mainly making the car really efficient, by making sure that it can actually charge on normal household power sockets. And not just that, because most of the cars can, but practically usable. Yeah. And that means that, that you can use it in 80% of the world population uh, that, that have access to normal electricity instead of the 3% that, don't, that have access to public charging stations at the moment. Of course, the, the price at the moment is an issue, but yeah, we have to develop the technology and the, to get the technology to a price point, you need scale. And, mm-hmm. and like sure. Elon has shown, it's quite difficult to go to a really big scale re- really fast.
0: If we would look at 2025, yeah. just yeah, the, over five years
2: that that's about the time that we will introduce the second uh, second model which will indeed be uh, a lot cheaper and aimed at uh, more shared mobility as well and that's actually where we see the uh, the big opportunity for the the solar car because it's so efficient and uh, because of the architecture it has very very few moving parts it can be very cheap to drive so once you have it your energy costs are really really low mm-hmm. your maintenance costs are really really low because of the low amount of moving parts. We have four in-wheel motors, so only the, the motors are turning. There's no drive shafts, gears, etc. that can break. And that means that the operating cost can actually be really low. So if you then start sharing this car and drive it for a lot of kilometers, actually the total cost per kilometer will be mostly determined by the cost of the energy and the maintenance and no longer yeah. by the purchase price. So and we're that, still yeah. rather
0: fixated on like that big number. What does it cost? But we should see that in perspective. Tex, yes. would you take a wild guess Guess of twenty twenty five, what the lease price would be of a light year one?
1: No, I don't. <laughs> but I think the question was was an interesting question twenty twenty five because my guess is if by twenty twenty five this technology is not. Uh, really uh, leverageable, uh, so applicable. Then you'll be too late, probably. Uh, so, because the whole world is working, of course, on this technology. Mm-hmm. The whole world is working on the electrification of uh, of cars. So you will see uh, very, very uh, cost competitive cars coming out of China in the next uh, 24 months already, mm-hmm. uh, and the years after. So, for a venture like him and a, and a startup, uh, speed is of the essence to be uh, to be successful.
0: Yeah. So we mentioned 2025 um text techs- could you estimate what sort of part of the uh, lease plan cars would be electric by then?
1: Yeah, no, that thank you for the question. We have said by 2030 we want our whole fleet to be uh, electrified. Uh, I think that's possible. Uh, it doesn't look today, uh, mm-hmm. uh, because at the moment our fleet is around 8% electrified. Okay. Um, but we know that the uh, from different kind of forces, there will be a tipping point in the electrification of cars. One, the car manufacturers have to push out electrical vehicles in competitive Mm -hmm. prices otherwise they get penalties from Brussels on the uh, CO2 emissions that they have Mm -hmm. you see the technology of course improving you see the Chinese really putting a lot of effort in electrification of cars they will come to Europe to uh, to compete it's fun to drive an electrical car by the way Uh, it, it accelerates nicely it is silent it is new uh, You've experienced this. Yes, I yeah? did. <laughs> and um, So I think there will be a tipping point in the next, whatever, five to ten years that suddenly you will see a very, very fast acceleration. Now, also, the subscription models uh, for electrification will happen. Uh, mm-hmm. People, I don't think, will buy electrical cars uh, because they're too scared for light year that they uh, <laughs> disrupt the technology. Yeah. So they, they rather have a subscription model. Uh, so they make a trend from ownership to usership uh, to subscription models which has happened anyway, yeah. uh, will also be uh, magnified, I think, by electrification of cars.
0: Now, we've talked in this series about mobility as a service. This is a trend. It's there already. I mean, you prefer to talk about car as a service. You already said the car is here to stay. What do you mean by car as a service?
1: Yeah, so so mobility as a service, you have to start thinking about Uber. You have to start thinking about uh, shared cars, uh, platforms. Uh, they, they really deliver, in fact, a mobility service. We genuinely deliver cars and all the services around it. Do we believe that the market uh, will shift from cars as a service to mobility as a service? Yes, we do. Particularly in the autonomous uh, era uh, where you uh, will have... Uh, let's say, large fleets uh, that are on the platform of Uber or on the platform of Google or a platform who knows. And for us, that's okay because these cars still have to be bought. These cars still have to be maintained. They have to be charged. So we are indeed uh, partnering already with the Ubers and the Snap Cars of this world as we do with Lightyear yeah. uh, in order to prepare ourselves for the future.
0: Mm-hmm. And you don't think you're going to miss out on or perhaps lose customers uh, if you think of a younger generation that is, really geared to mobility on demand. I need a car today for an hour and then I might need a electric bike. Yeah,
1: the, 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 I think there's a bit of uh, a debate always about uh, the millennials uh, as if they don't like cars. <laughs> uh, I have a few millennials at uh, at home. They, they <laughs> love my cars. Yeah. Um, so, of course, in the inner cities it's very difficult uh, to have a car. It's very expensive uh, for parking, etc. But ultimately when the families are coming and you have to go to the soccer and you have to go to the hockey and you want to go whatever to your mother-in-law, you see that people want their cars again. So yes, mobility as a service in the inner city will happen, but you also see that people when they grow up and get old and have families that they want their own car.
0: Yeah, Arya what is your expectation? You think that the mobility subscription models are going to be more and more popular?
2: it's all gonna hang on on the autonomous technology and how good that gets um because i think that's really the key to make it happen and the the main reason for owning a car is uh, is freedom man you can go wherever you want to go
0: the independence Uh, the independence
2: and the freedom and As long as you don't have that that car available anywhere, anytime. Also, in case of emergency, if you need to go to the hospital in in five minutes. As long as, if that's not the case, then people will still buy a car as a backup and have it there. It needs to be perfect before you really get to that shift. But I do think it can be that good. It's it's just going to take a while. It's going to start in the inner cities and then...
1: Yeah. yeah but you see it with uber I mean uh, yeah. uh, I'm living in the center of Amsterdam I never drive in the center I always take yeah. an uber if
0: I neither go do uber. I <laughs> yeah. yeah so what does that mean for your business are you
2: uh, it's actually <laughs> really good I would say because everybody is working on autonomous vehicles everybody's working on the on the shared platforms but not many people are working on where does the energy come from and how do we actually make that possible especially if we look at the less developed markets where electricity grid is already a problem yeah. you can't just start driving electric over there and then then you need a solution that uh, focuses on the energy and and you get to... uh Two flies in one blow. I don't know if it <laughs> works in English.
0: Um,
2: you drastically lower the operating cost by reducing the energy consumption, but you also lower the dependency on that, on that infrastructure. Th- that's where the win-win is, I think. And uh, that's the, the there's, part there's, that Lightyear adds. Uh,
1: there's an interesting yeah. part happening uh, where we're thinking about as well, where we can give back energy to the grid at the right time or take energy from the grid at the right time. Uh, and therefore, you have to think about 4 million Batteries uh, driving in Europe, yeah. Yeah. and that's going to be part of the whole energy grid, and that's a very interesting development, I think.
2: Yeah,
0: um, Arya, you're thinking of upcoming markets. You're thinking of certain countries in Africa. You're thinking of India. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. That's the, the long term, but the I long do term. think that's really where we need this clean mobility for everyone in terms of our mission. So that that's why the company was started and where we want to go in the uh, in the long term. Because if we look. Today, you see that the the welfare of, of people in those developing countries is, is increasing, which is a very good thing. But the income level at which they can afford to drive cars in the coming twenty to thirty years, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that by the time that they get there, that the cheapest form of mobility is also clean. Because I think that's the only one we can prevent an even much bigger disaster than we're already creating in the in the Western world right now. In terms of climate change, yes. Yeah.
0: Text for your business. Do you see more opportunities outside? Europe?
1: Well, the, the opportunities are there. We're talking about 7 billion people going to 9 billion people. Uh, indeed, we hope that welfare will, will be better distributed in this world. But that doesn't mean as a business that you have to go there. Uh, sometimes strategy is also choosing what not to do. We're focusing on Europe. Uh, that is where our bread and butter is. We're focusing on the US and uh, Mexico and Brazil. And I think that's enough for the time being.
0: Yeah. Now, we've mainly spoke about the next 10 years. A lot of people don't really dare to look beyond, let's say, 2030. That seems to be a bit of a sort of magic number. Are we going to go to a future, text? do you think, where all the cars will be electric?
1: That I don't know. I mean, you, you, all the cars, you start to also talk about trucks, heavy trucks. Uh, heavy trucks might go transportation, to... transportation, uh, sure. And transportation might go to other, let's say, technology. But do I believe that the electrification is here to be accelerated over the next five to Ten years, yes. Do I believe that um, sun energy is going to play a very important role in that? Uh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. What do you think, Arjo? Is is solar going to be the new way of? Transportation, Um, ultimately?
2: Solar is going to be the way of providing the energy, and uh, Mm. the combination with transportation is interesting because you generate the electricity as close to the... you have the source as close to the user as as possible, directly on the car. It's also the most efficient part. In the end, all of our energy comes from the sun, and the most efficient way to get it from the sun to your wheels is, right now, today, is by having a solar panel directly on the car. if we look beyond 2030, I think some people have called it uh, energy abundance, so we need to take that into account. Mm-hmm. It, that, that might change a lot if if actually uh, somebody gets nuclear fusion working and we have indeed that electrical energy abundance and then we don't have to worry as much anymore about how, do, how much do we use. Mm-hmm. That might change a lot. Probably, if that's the case, I would say we start flying, but <laughs> <laughs> I also agree with uh, with tax on uh, uh, the main issue with electrification today is uh, the density of uh, of storing it in terms right. of, of batteries, etc, and uh how fast you can transport it so the the, the charging. And if somebody hasn't solved those two by 2030, then indeed we'll see, I think, a lot of high uh, energy consumption, transport modes such as um, ships, planes, trucks, etc., yeah. probably go to hydrogen or to solar fuels, something like that.
0: Yeah. Now, you've had to work in great secrecy on your Lightyear one, revealed in June. I could imagine that a lot of people are interested in talking to you and maybe even would like to buy Lightyear. Is that going on?
2: Definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, For all those people interested, definitely have a look at the website.
0: Thank you, Arjo van der Ham and Tex Gunning. Thank, Thank you, you so much for this interesting conversation. This is the final episode of The Future of Automotive. I hope you enjoyed the ride. Check out the other episodes in this series. You'll find them in the BNR app or just look us up in your favorite podcast player. Goodbye.